Wednesday morning, and as you know, today is the day that the charity campaign for Yeshivat Shavei Chevron begins. We have the honor of uh, doing the big finale tomorrow night. Uh, literally, the last couple hours of the charity campaign will be dedicated to being together with our friends in Chevron during Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. Could you imagine? We can't go to Shabbos Chaye Sarah this year. But it's going to come to us because of Yeshivat Shavei Chevron. And in less than two hours, the campaign begins, a matching campaign, uh, which will allow the yeshiva to raise, please God, half a million dollars. That's their goal. And I hope all of you will participate. It's a charity.com. You could actually donate right now. You don't have to wait for the official start of the campaign. Charity.com slash Shavei Chevron. Charity. C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash Shavei Chevron, S-H-A-V-E-I-H-E-V-R-O-N, S-H-A-V-E-I-H-E-V-R-O-N. And uh, tomorrow night, beginning at 8 p.m., I will be uh, on this side of the world while our holy sites, including Marat HaMachbelah and our friends from Yeshivat Shavei Chevron will be on the other side of the world literally connecting us to Chevron on Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. Ironically, I believe that um, the first time I met our guest was when I was on my way to Shabbat Chaye Sarah many, many, many years ago. And he's been an amazing friend uh, since then of uh, both me and my family and this uh, incredible network. And I find out, of course, that... um, he is a tremendous friend of Shivat Shavei Chevron as well, and among its uh, lay leaders. With us live via telephone, somebody who uh, normally is speaking to us about Jews and sports, but today is going to be speaking to us about Jews and Chevron. Steve Adelsberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you, Nachum. <laughs> it's great to be here early in the morning, as they say. Oh, it's early, and- right? And you, I bet you didn't know that Avram Avinu played third base for the first Marat Belah team. You know, it, it's funny. I, I assumed you would start with a line like that, and now I can I can only I can only imagine who out there is upset that you did that. But, but yes, if, if there if there was a uh, if there would have been a competition between Avraham and his men and, Ephra, and Ephron and his men, you know, Avraham would have had a, a prominent position on the field, obviously. Uh, Avraham knocked him out in the first inning. He knocked him out in the first inning. Ephron threw him a curveball and he hit it against the wall. It wasn't even close. When he was buying Stay Hamach Pela, it was not, not that type of field, Steve. It was not that type of field. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, today we get to turn our attention. Normally, when you're on, uh, people are uh, are either flabbergasted or enthralled by, you, by the conversations you and I have about sports. But today, we're talking about a campaign that begins in less than two hours. And and what's really special about this, and I know that you feel the same way as many of your colleagues do among the leadership of Yeshivat Shavei Chevron, is that literally the big event, the climax of this whole thing, is happening on Erev Shabbos Chaye Sarah. And that's pretty amazing that they thought of the idea, that they're able to pull it off, and we're looking forward to tomorrow night to that happening. Uh, tell us about your affiliation with the yeshiva. When was the first time you became familiar with what they're doing in the heart of Hebron? The first time, I believe, was was Pesach in the 90s, when you when uh, Rabbi Billet took Ira Leonard with Rav Bina to dedicate the new building. 
I was with the uh, I was with Elliot Tannenbaum, and I was going to Shavu Hebron, and we went to a yeshiva, and we saw I have to tell you four hundred boys in the middle of Hebron. Even you can't then, get huh? more. You can't get more in the, in the thick of thick of things. Right. And they were learning the Torah. They were holding the candle. There was no question about it. They were the light. And I said, "Hey, this is what this is what matters. We're bringing Torah into Hebron. We're not just sitting there playing. We are bringing Torah learning into Hebron." And it's been like that's- that, like that ever since. And the way you just said yeah. it, it's, um, I mean, we're talking about between thirty and forty years already that that, that this is happening because of Yeshivat Shavei Hebron. Is all of this uh, happening specifically because we're in a COVID era and it's so hard for Yeshivot? like Shavei Hebron, to survive, or is this uh, an annual tradition? I mean, what's what's behind this massive campaign and the outreach that's going on to people around the world to support the yeshiva? It's very it's a very simple thing we use it. We sometimes say it now in taxes, either you use it or lose it. Right. Basically, we have to show our support for Hebron. In the Middle East, they say sometimes they use the phrase, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Yeah, in Eretz Israel, it's ten tenths of the law. If you're not there, we lose it. And I have to say, very, very frankly, Nachum, the, the boys, the yeshiva, Dovi Weiss of, of yeshiva Shavei Chevron, they're writing checks that we can't cover. It's that simple. We can't cover the checks that we're, they're writing, and we have to be part of it, or we will lose it. And to be there, as I say, you go there Cholamoid Sukkot and go there Cholamoid Pesach. And you see 25,000 people walking the streets. Chaye Sarah, 25,000 people just just celebrating Hebron. And this last year, we haven't been able to do that. Yeah. And by the way, what's interesting is when you're in Hebron on a regular day, on a day when they don't have 25,000 visitors, rather, on a day when they don't have massive crowds, and you see what the daily life is like, uh, it's it's a sacrifice. It's a pioneering sacrifice. What you said is 100% true, that if we as a Jewish people do not show the importance of these holy sites and holy cities to the world, then nobody's going to be uh, granting us any free pass to uh, to either be in these places or to continue to uh, have our institutions in these places. And uh, and then there's the added factor, Steve, and that is that uh, uh, you know everyone's going through a, um, a, a challenging time. I have to be careful not to say difficult. But a challenge, yeah, especially when it comes to Hebron, by the way, because if, if you want to know about our history, there was a time when Jews really had a difficult time in Hebron. But a challenging time, and this COVID-19 has stopped a lot of funding from people who in the past have been able to really be forthcoming. So I really, I'm, I'm trying to encourage the listeners to make this as successful a campaign as possible. Officially, it begins less than two hours from now. People can actually donate right now, and everything they give will be matched. And they should keep in mind that as uh, as as much as the yeshiva always needs uh, an annual budget to operate, this year especially because of COVID, they need a lot more. So I'm sure you join me in encouraging everybody to make this a very successful campaign. No question about it. And the thing is, we all know COVID has hit us in a way that we never thought of before. And if you want to use COVID for an excuse, you can use it for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I call it COVID convenience. <laughs> but this, but this is... But this is not this is not COVID convenience. This is Chevron, and we have to be there, and we have to be there. And this is the way we can be there. But don't don't kid ourselves. Dovi's yeshiva is the yeshiva Shavu Chevron is full in their learning, and that's what's important, and that's what they need our support. One of the most um, 
inspiring things about this week's event is that it's literally happening on Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. You, de- you described when you know tens of thousands of people are in Hebron. I've been there for it. You've been there for it. It's really an amazing and incredible feeling to be with people from around the world as they converge on the holy city and show everybody how important Hebron is to us. Uh, it One of the most painful things, and I think you and I have discussed this before on the air, one of the most painful things about COVID, aside from the excuses that people make in terms of the support and things like that. One of the most disappointing things has been our physical separation from Israel. And especially on a Shabbos like this, the upcoming Shabbos of Chayesara, our physical separation from the city of Hebron. The fact that this is happening, that this big event is culminating, when it's literally Erev Shabbos Chayesara in Hebron. Very different, of course. Very different. Not access to everything and obviously no crowds. But the fact that we're connecting with Hebron on what would have to be assumed the the most important day of the year that you can broadcast, right? The most important would be the actual Shabbos, but we can't broadcast. Uh, but, but on Erev Shabbat Chayesara is really very significant and and very symbolic. And I wonder if uh, if you think that that's going to um, help bridge the gap between us and our uh, brothers and sisters in the holy city of Hebron, that if we can't be there at least on, on the day that most of us would be there, Erev Shabbos Hebron, right? We'd all be piling into Hebron that Shabbos. At least no on that question. Shabbos, if we're connecting, it should it should help ease the pain a bit. Well, the beauty, the beauty about going to Hebron on these days, on Chayi Surah, you feel the achdus, you feel the unity. Yeah. Everyone there is a brother. Everyone there is a sister. And you feel it, and you celebrate it, and you smile it, and you walk around Friday night, Shabbos, and you say, this is our land. And we don't, got, we don't have that right now. And it's the first time in my life that I've been told I can't go to Eretz Israel. My grandfather, <laughs> he wasn't able. Nothing told about the story about your father. Oh, he was in Hebron. My father was, but, was in Hebron and, uh, and, and literally was there, living there as a child at the age of 12 by relatives uh, until, um, until the school year ended on Tisha B'Av. Uh, in 1929, and of course, a week later, as many people know, uh, was the uh, was the um, uh, massacre in Hebron uh, that claimed the lives of so many and was uh, a, a completely devastating to the community and to the Jewish world. And um, it, it's a it, for me, it's a um, it brings a lot of personal recollections because uh, my father had mixed feelings, as you can imagine. After having been through that experience, not that he was there that day, but he knew so many so many people who were massacred that Shabbat, and it it, it left a very as you can imagine, it left a very strong impression on him, and um, and he recalled, and I remember speaking to him about this uh, more than once. He recalled every specific area of Hebron the way it was, like any twelve year old would remember, you know, back in right. back in nineteen twenty nine, and he <laughs> saw, even though he didn't visit. Uh, when I did, he wasn't there in the '90s and, and and afterwards, but but he saw what had happened uh, with what uh, Rabbi and Rabbanit Levinger had done, uh, with what so many of those who who sacrificed to be there had done. When my my Chavrusa was was murdered in 1980, Lagba Omer Friday night in front of Beit Hadassah, and now a place that I've slept in on Shabbat Chayesara Beit Hashisha is named for these six boys who were killed that night. 
uh, in Hebron. So, so Hebron of today is built on a lot of Jewish blood, is built on a lot of sweat and tears, is built on tremendous sacrifice and so man, so much effort by the Jewish people. All we need to do after all of this, all we need to do literally is write a check. All we need to do literally is click donate on the on the uh, charity.com page. That That's literally what we have to do now. We don't have to go through what they all went through. We don't have to have the trauma that my father had. We don't have to, we don't have to go through what my Chavrus's family and the other families went through when they lost their sons. All we have to do today is keep the yeshiva as strong as possible. And, and Steve, it's something that you take great pride in, that you and your family have done that. You know others who've done that. And now all we're doing over the next 24 hours is looking for more people to do just that. That's exactly right. And I have to say, it's when I first you asked me about my connection to Hebron, as you know, with Rav Meir Goldberg, we go to Israel and go all the different yeshuvim right. the last 20 years. But he has a sheer of connecting. What's the connection? of Hebron to Yerushalayim. I tell the audience, listen to that shir, and you'll feel the connection of how important Hebron is to us. And to do a Lahavdil, a normal 12-year-old, what is his biggest memory, as we always talk about? We all, our biggest memory is what's the first baseball game I went to? That's right. 12-year-old. That's right. <laughs> your, father, your father's memory? Let me tell you about Hebron in 1929. That, was, that to me, was like everything else is... Everything else is secondary. And I have to tell you that it's a very, very, it's a great, great thing that we're able to do this. We're, we're a privileged generation. We're a privileged generation that we're able to go to Hebron. I remember, I remember Wednesday morning of the Six-Day War. It was Wednesday morning. I was at the Hebrew County in Nassau County, and we're going down to an assembly, and the word starts spreading. It's 10 o'clock in the morning, so it's, it's probably 10 o'clock. No, what's it, 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Israel at the time? Right, right. And the word spreads down to Yeshiva, Chevron Biodeno. Chevron Biodeno. Rabbi Gordon, <laughs> Gordon, he captured Chevron by himself. He drove up in his Jeep. The story was that he's at, he's at, the, he's at the hotel, and someone says to Rabbi Gordon, Sahal is going into Chevron. He gets all excited because you got to remember, you know, going to Hebron. No one's been there since no one's been there since '48, and then we always could go to the Seven Steps. He jumps into a jeep with his driver, drives down from Yerushalayim to Hebron. This is during the Six Day War. All excited, only one problem. He drives into the the Plaza de Mara, and Saul hasn't gotten there yet. It's Hebron and eighty thousand Arabs, and they put out a white flag and they give the city to him. And they surrendered the city. They would, this is our opportunity. We took it. We have it now. And we have to keep it. When we, drew, when we drew closer to Hebron, I saw white flags waving over all the houses along the way. There would be no battles here, I thought. There wasn't a single Jordanian flag, so there was nothing to fear. We were entering Hebron as victors without having fired a single shot. My driver said as we drove past Chalchul, there's a Jordanian flag flying from the third floor of one of the houses. They might fire on us. Take the Uzi and cover me, I said. I'm going up there to take down the flag. My driver said, oh. that, my driver said they might kill me, so he would go. You're still young, I told him. You still have to build a home and a family. I've already lived my life. I'll go up, and whatever happens, happens. 
One of the drivers accompanied me to the second floor, and from there I went to the third floor. I reached a flag. I took it down. Salam Aleikum, I said to the tenants. I took the flag, and they didn't say a word. We advanced toward Hebron. When we entered the city, we saw all the houses along the main road festooned with white sheets hanging from the balconies. The Hebron municipality and the military forces had decided on a self-imposed curfew and ordered that no one leave their homes. I wanted to inform them that the IDF had already conquered Hebron, even though the IDF force was only me and the Jeep at this stage. <laughs> In the center of town was a po- was a podium where a policeman usually stood to direct the traffic. I climbed onto the podium and fired a magazine of bullets into the air to notify the residents that the IDF had captured Hebron. My declared goal had been to be the first to reach the Cave of the Patriarchs, I saw an Arab boy at one of the windows. Where's the grave of Avraham Avinu? I shouted up to him. But he said he was afraid to come down because of the curfew. He wouldn't be able to get back home. I promised him my driver would bring him back, and the boy agreed to show us. We reached the cave, began to climb the stairs toward the gates at the top of the two staircases. I climbed to the top of the staircase on the north side where everyone prayed and saw the gate was locked. I shouted in Arabic, open the gates. I heard voices inside. They said, we don't have a key. If they don't have a key, I thought to myself, how'd they get inside? I began firing bullets at the gates, but they didn't budge. To this day, you could see the holes I made, which the Arabs call Rabbi Gorin's holes. For three hours, we tried to break down the gates until I heard the sound of a tank approaching. That was the first Israeli tank to enter Hebron, and it was adorned with an improvised flag, a sheet on which someone had drawn a blue Magain David. When the tank arrived, I saw the soldiers had a crowbar. My driver and I put the bar into the gate and worked it off its hinges until the gate fell to the ground and we could enter Marat HaMachbelah. We saw two Arabs inside, trembling, and one of them was holding the keys to the gate, even though they had told me they didn't have any keys. My driver went over, took the keys, and we went into the Mara where I blew the shofar. I took the Sefer Torah I had brought with me and read the portion of Chaye Sarah, which relates how Avraham bought the cave of the patriarchs from the sons of Chait. It was still early in the morning. We were able to daven shacharis there, the first Jews to daven freely in Marat HaMachpelah in 19 years. No such thing as coincidence. Those words by Rabbi Gorin are in the current issue, the Chaye Sarah issue of HaMizrahi magazine, which Steve arrived this morning. Imagine that, and you alluded to it, and I, and I saw it, and I said, I have to read that account. But, boy, you told it accurately. That is Rav Gorin literally. Well, I can't say literally because he would say he had help from his driver, but almost <laughs> literally single-handedly capturing Hebron. And if you don't think that's a miracle, then I, what can I tell you? If you, yeah. if you don't think there's Hezbo Kim going on here, I can't help you. That is 100% but, true. And I uh, say, but the, but the beauty of it, Nachum, it just gives us a certain. Th- you you tell us that story, you read it, and we feel the achdus, the passion of the moment, and it's our history. It's not. We're not going into the navi now. We're going. We're going into 1967. I remember it as yesterday. Hebron biyadenu. And I we never. I Yushalayim was one thing, but Hebron, I never dreamed as a boy. I read Chaye Sora. You know, we, we were learning that in Chumash. I'm in eighth grade. In Hebron biyadenu. We have the right, we have the, we have the the obligation the privilege of being part of a yeshiva in Hebron. And we don't have to make uh, we don't have to make decisions about whether we should uh, we should put our life in peril or our driver's life in peril. We don't have to exactly. make we don't have to make decisions like that. We have to make a decision of how much money is going to be matched because it's a matching campaign, and that's the biggest decision we have. 
Should we make it thirty six bucks so it becomes seventy two, or should we make it a thousand bucks so it becomes two thousand, or should we make it fifteen thousand so it becomes thirty thousand? That's the biggest decision that everyone now today in twenty twenty has to make regarding the future of the city of Hebron. During the during the six day war, Newsweek afterwards, Newsweek had their special issue on the six day war, and one of it was the was the charitable giving of the Jewish people during that time. And the pitgam, the phrase they, they had in Newsweek, give until it hurts. Wow. It, and if it doesn't hurt, you haven't given enough. They literally acknowledged how much money Jews around the world were giving at that point? That's right. The headline in the article was, give until it hurts. And if you haven't given, if it doesn't hurt, you haven't given enough. <laughs> that, still, that phrase still rings with me. It's cool. <laughs> Is is that your custom now? You give till it hurts? Is that how it works? No. We try to give till they stop calling and leave us alone, but that also hurts. It's a little different these days, huh? This is true. As I said before, we're writing ch- they're writing chicks over there that we can't even think that we can cover. A very good point. Ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow night, I'll be part of the um, uh, of this amazing uh, 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 combination of speaking to you from the United States while we are checking in constantly with what's happening Erev Shabbat Chayisaran Chevron. All part of this charity campaign to support the yeshiva. They, they need they basically need half a million dollars, and it's a matching campaign. So every time you give one eighty, it's really three hundred and sixty dollars. Simple as that. You could donate now. Uh, you could wait till the campaign actually begins, which is about an hour and 40 minutes from now. Uh, you could donate all day tomorrow. You could donate if you want during the live broadcast tomorrow night that we're going to be doing. Or you could donate during all those times. In fact, that's Steve's recommendation. He says people should donate during every one of those time uh, periods. Right, Steve? That's <laughs> They should spread it out. They should spread it out and just keep giving. That would be a tremendous uh, encouragement for our friends in Hebron. Uh, charity.com slash Chevron. Charity.com, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash Chevron. S-H-A-V-E-I-H-E-V-R-O-N. Steve Adelsberg, I, uh, I, and I know you as well, hope that this is a very successful campaign, that the Jewish people t- can take great pride. They've supported the yeshiva in a successful campaign during this very important week of Chaye Sara for the holy city of Hebron. Thank you so much, Nachum. I appreciate Have a good, a good Arab Shabbos, a successful campaign, and we should all be able next year to reunite in the city of Hebron, the Chaye Sara. Yeah, we should, we should talk about that, actually. Right, because- come back. Because not every year do we make it there, but I think after COVID, I think all of us have to really try very hard to make it there next year. I think I think everybody's looking forward to that thrill of coming back yeah. to Eretz Israel, walking the streets of Yushalayim. When over a year we were told, "No, you can't come." Yeah. I, I feel, we all are thinking, "What's it going to be like the first time we come off the plane? The first time we smell the air of Eretz Israel?" Yeah, it'll be a big sigh of relief. I can tell you that much. Uh, and let's hope it's sooner rather than later. Let's pray that really this time next year things are normal and we could do all this. Uh, Steve Adelsberg, uh, uh, kudos to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, and uh, thanks for all you do for the holy city of Hebron and Shivat Shaveh Hebron. Thank you. Thank you, Nachman. As I say, 
and hopefully tell the audience we'll be back to baseball soon. Yes, we'll get we'll get back to <laughs> don't worry, folks. We'll get back to sports conversations, of course, here at JM in the AM. Thanks, everybody. It's charity.com slash Shave Chevron. Give. Give till it hurts, as Steve Adelsberg said. She